Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. This A's Cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Go to linksoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to nestbedding.com. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right, away, back, gone! Go hey! It's a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy in blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another edition of A's Cast Live from the field. As the Athletics are going to be, oh, there you go. The Athletics are going to be taking on the Texas Rangers tonight, game two of a three-game set. We got a jam-packed lineup for you today. The pitching coach of your Oakland Athletics, Scott Emerson, Gonna be here. It says four o'clock, Cody. It's four oh one. Well, he's he's dealing with PFPs right now, so Kirby Sneed couldn't field it yesterday, so we're now gonna practice. Well, hey, practice makes perfect. Is that that's what I've always been told? I am gonna I'm going to amaze you because I haven't even told you this. I am going to question Scott Emerson about how velocity right now is not the most important thing for pitching. What do you think about that? Velocity is. It'll be like third or fourth on the list. Most, uh, ooh, not velocity. Huh? Not out, velocity. I, I didn't realize getting outs was, was well, not, I, getting outs was supposed to be number one. We, 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 we don't talk about that anymore. Getting outs doesn't matter anymore. But the, the top things in pitching now, you, we are so, we've been so focused on velocity. It really has changed when you start looking at the data. And a lot has to do with, how players are built, their size, their wingspan. You don't have to be super tall. We scoot over, would you? I'm already at the edge. Look. You got more room. Does he got more room? You got more room. Go to your right a little bit. Look, look at your left. I mean, Jesus. I there you go. You're killing me. David Feldman, our ace historian at 445, of course, a great TV producer, official scorer. And we will get into a little college football today because there continues to be noise 
about movement. We've seen the Pac-12, I mean, no one's saying it's over yet, that the conference is done, but it sure looks like it. Next, next on the hook, the ACC. So we'll get into a little bit of that with David Feldman coming up here at 445. And then Eno Saris, our national baseball columnist, will be here at 515. And then right over my right over here, Marcus Simeon is in the outfield. We are hopefully going to have Marcus Simeon stop by. Uh, I was just told by our uh, public relations that they're going to try to get us Cody Thomas. Cody Thomas also today, who I've been I've been at. Does Cody, does Cody know how much I've championed him? Well, I don't know. We've never had him on, so now you can let him know. Then you can talk college football with him because he's, he knows a little bit about the, uh, the Big 12 in college football. And I have, yes. I have been to and worked Oklahoma Sooner games before. I've been to Norman, Oklahoma. Boomer Sooner? I've been there. I've seen it. I've seen the, the famous Bud Wilkerson dorm where all the shenanigans went on. I've seen the Barry Switzer Athletic Center. I've been to Norman, Oklahoma. One of my favorite stories Lo Neal ever told us when I worked at uh, the old station was whenever he told us how Barry Switzer, the recruiting story with Barry Switzer. You, you have to hear from Lo, but they're it was all incredible. real. <laughs> yeah, they're all real. Uh, so Scott Emerson is going to join us in moments. Bottom line: the Rangers are hot. The Rangers are looking to make it eight straight. They've outscored their opponents during their seven-game winning streak, forty-four to seventeen. Their bullpen actually has been really good. They got a 1.33 ERA, 4 for 4 in save opportunities during the streak. They have homered 17 times in the last seven games and an OPS of 907. And I think a treat tonight, you know, as someone that's around me more than anybody, I hate the future Hall of Famer talk. It drives me nuts. I can confirm that. Because there's plenty of guys that over the years that they've called future Hall of Famers. And if I go to the plaque room right now, they don't have a plaque. So it gets thrown around way too much. Not with the guy going today. The guy going today, Max Scherzer, these are these opportunities. And I remember one time I went to, I don't know if it was Pac Bell at the time or if it was SBC Global or probably, I don't think it was AT&T. It was still pretty early. I remember I went up to a Diamondbacks-Giants game to watch Randy Johnson pitch. This is I, Did he leave from the Diamondbacks to the Yankees? Correct. So this is right before he goes to the Yankees. He's not Randy as we know it. It's not watching Randy out here as a Seattle Mariner. It wasn't Randy Johnson completely dominating the National League. What, he won four straight in yeah. Arizona? Correct. Cy Young's. That was that. This was the end. But it wasn't Randy Johnson in 300 game with the Giants. It was not not. <laughs> but I wanted to see Randy Johnson, and I remember it was like you know, you don't you only have so many times that you get to see these guys when you know you're watching true greatness. Max Scherzer in his career, he's one of the best right-handed pitchers in modern day baseball. He will get a plaque in Cooperstown, and he's pitching tonight here at the Coliseum. So if you're a baseball fan and you want to see somebody that, you know, it's it's usually the last weekend in July in Cooperstown, New York, where they do the ceremonies, you want to see a guy that's going to have that speech and you want to see a guy that's going to have that plaque that will be there forever, he's going tonight. And Max Scherzer has really kind of turned things around here in, I guess you'd say, his last few starts. 
the first X amount of starts in New York, it was good or bad. I got notes on his slider, which is his bread and butter, was just getting lit up in Texas. I mean, in New York, but he's really gotten better with it. And you're bringing in somebody. And there's there's something also, too, for an athlete. When you leave a dysfunctional, chaos, bad situation, because that's what happened in New York. Here, you start out a season where you're the favorites, your owner is spending more money than we've ever seen before in the history of sports. Fan base is fired up. Justin Verlander is now there. You're pairing up with Verlander again, even though we found out when they were paired up in Detroit, they really didn't like each other. But uh, <laughs> it was a disaster. New York was an absolute disaster this year, and they were living through it. And as an athlete, every five days, eh, now you get into a situation to where – you're going to a first-place team. You're now coming out to, hey, I'm back in this thing. I know I only have so many shots at it. Because let's face it, he and the Mets failed last year at home against the San Diego Padres. Now he's got another shot at it. He just won it in 19 with the Nationals. But now he's got another shot late in his career. You have to think if you're Max Scherzer, this could be it. This could be it. I'm on a team that's got a ton of offense. They've hit all year long. Doesn't matter who's been hurt. The Rangers have put up impressive numbers. And maybe he could be the difference. With Jacob DeGrom being out, he's the guy that steps in. And C.J. Nikowski does a great job with their TV, also on SiriusXM on the baseball channel. Told you, when a guy like this shows up, it's the dude. It's the guy. When he walks onto the bus, when he walks onto the plane, everybody goes, we got Max Scherzer. So you're going to see tonight his first outing, he gave up three runs in the first inning. Everybody went, ooh. Then after that, he settled down. They had like nine strikeouts. So I, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing Max Scherzer tonight because, once again, live, seeing somebody live that you know will be in the Baseball Hall of Fame someday. You only get so many shots at that. And we're going to see it tonight here at the Coliseum against the A's. Yeah, uh, just just to make our you know A's fans happy, uh, Scherzer struggles at the Coliseum, two and one with a four thirty ERA. So I mean, it's a little high for him. I mean, we're talking about Max Scherzer now. If we're talking about some random guy. Be a little when, different. When was his last outing here? I, I didn't look uh, that far back, but I assume it, did he pitch against? No, that wouldn't have been. <laughs> did he pitch? I think he pitched last year here when the Mets were here. That's why I don't listen to those stats. Those stats. He's live. Live. What does that mean? There's different human beings, different teams. Those stats are also bogus. But so depending on whether a guy is like in division and he's here all the time, then then I'll listen to that. Uh, Scott Emerson, Scott Emerson, the uh, head pitching coach, the pitching coach for your Oakland Athletics, joins us here what, on A's. What, what stats live. are you talking about, bogus? He was given some stat about Scherzer lifetime. Scherzer hasn't pitched here in so long. Four thirty ERA at the Coliseum. It doesn't matter. Yeah, we we got him last year, didn't we? See, I thought, I, I thought I it was last that. year when he pitched at the Mets. Hey, when 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 a guy like that gives up some runs here against us, right? We, we want to do what we can do against him. I never pay attention to anything where you go, well, look, lifetime against him because players change, the data constantly changes, yeah, things change a lot. But we'll just start with Scherzer. I, for me, as guys that love pitching. I think it's overused all the time. Ah, future Hall of Famer. He is a future Hall of Famer. And whenever you get a chance, I don't know how many times we'll ever see him again. We'll, we'll see him on TV, but to see him live, 
I'm looking forward to it tonight. I hope we beat him, obviously. But when you get a chance to see somebody of this kind of ilk, it's a big deal. Yeah, he, he's definitely one of the greatest pitchers, in my opinion, of all time. You know, the one thing that I've, I've admired about him, just kind of watching him from afar when he comes to the Coliseum or I've seen him on the road, is his work ethic. You know, I, I watched him last year uh, with Chris Bassett, and uh, they get out on the field and they – they do their running program, and, the, and uh, it looked like the, the way they, uh, you know, he brought up Bassett's work ethic or, or made Bassett get out there with him. And, and uh, that's one thing I want to talk to Chris about is, like, how was it being with, you know, one of the greats of all time? And, and I just remember last year just watching Chris, you know, sprint with him. It was like Apollo Creed and Rocky Balboa on the <laughs> beach, you know. It was, Rocky three, baby. Yeah, it was kind of fun to watch yeah. because, you know, uh, you know, Chris got an opportunity to go over there to the to uh, the Mets last year and, and work alongside one of the greats of all time. And, and uh, you know, hopefully we can, you know, get to him today. But, yeah, that's the fun part. There's no secrets, right? Like, when you think back to Nolan Ryan, the press kind of hated when he pitched because after Nolan, the game was done, he wouldn't talk to the media. He would go get on a bike for 45 minutes. Then he would do a full workout then you'd have to wait around for him to come back. I, I, Bip Roberts will talk about the stories of after a game, how Tony Gwynn would meet with the mate. He'd go hit more. Like, there's a reason why the greats are the greats. They're not rolling their jock out, as we like to say, and it's just magic. There's no magic here. There's no pixie dust. There's a reason why these guys have stayed at such a high level for so long. Their work ethic, their routines – are spectacular. Yeah, they're relentless. I mean, uh, if you go out, I recommend the book Relentlessness, and it talks about uh, uh, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, and uh, Dwayne Wade about how you know relentless they were at their craft. About uh, like you said, uh, uh, and Kobe Bryant getting up in the morning at 5 a.m. to uh, lift to, every morning to, in the offseason. Kobe was up crack of dawn lifting. Yeah, there's a story about uh, him working out with uh, Team USA, and he he went and shot a bunch of free throws before breakfast. And uh, I think it was uh, Bosch came to breakfast, and Kobe had ice packs on his knees. He's like, what are you doing? And Kobe's like, I already shot 500 shots. That's my morning routine. And he was like, man, you know, the greats, they want to work. What the greats are, too, is they're, they're students of the game. Uh, they're coachable. They're the guys that want to learn the most and apply the most and, and – uh, they talk the most. You know, I call them kind of high maintenance because uh, they want to be touched. They want to be, you know, given a touch point. They want to listen. They want to learn. And those are the guys that I like. High maintenance guys are the guys I want to be around too because they're willing to learn. And when you're willing to learn, you're willing to get better. And that's, you know, the, the book Relentlessness is, is a really good book to, to understand that. Baseball has changed so much, especially from a pitching standpoint, because – like in our era, when we were pitching, our pitching coaches stood behind us, and what they would see is the result of the pitch. Everything was about when the pitch got to the catcher, what was happening. Now with all the technology and the high-speed cameras and everything, we can truly see how the ball is coming out of the hand. And one of the things right now, and you can speak to this, which is so big in baseball, is the extension that you're getting. And it doesn't really matter if you're six feet tall or you're Randy Johnson at 6'10". The extension means so much. In baseball right now, why? Well, I, I think, you know, you're getting closer to the hitter. So the timing of the, of the pitch, uh, you're getting out in front. I, I think, you know, when you're, when you're dealing with numbers, 
I don't like to chase numbers. I like to chase execution because the execution creates the number. You know, you got a guy trying to chase a vert fastball, and uh, you're looking at a number, you're looking at a number. I'm looking at the execution. Can you throw it to the top third enough? Can you land it at the top third enough? If your ball drops too much and you don't have a good vertical induced break to your ball, which meaning uh, how much drop you have, well, you got to just start it up higher. So where the ball ends up is more important. Count advantage. No one wants to talk about count advantage that much anymore. I'll take a guy that has uh, uh, you know, good stuff that can win counts than a guy with great stuff who can't win counts because you, you, know, you said the game has changed, but it really, in my opinion, it hasn't changed. You still have to get outs. How do you get outs? Now, they're a component of all these metrics of, okay, this guy's got uh, a lot of movement to his pitch. His ball sinks more. He should probably throw down at the bottom of the zone more. But this also tells us when he throws it to the top of the zone, he should start it out higher, knowing his ball is going to sink. You take a right-handed pitcher facing a left-handed hitter, and he wants to go up and in, but his ball comes back too much, right? Well, I don't want him to go up and in much. I want him to just go up, or I want him to just go in, because that up and in plays his miss, falls right back down into the middle of the plate. That's kind of how I look at pitch movements and pitch metrics, that you always have to rely on the execution of the pitch. Location matters, and if you throw great pitches and constantly throw them down the middle, you're going to get beat up in this league, right? So if you can locate your pitch, put it in that area, generally a slider down and away, no matter what the spin is, if it gets true down and away, it's going to be a good pitch. It's the ones that back up and stay close to the middle of the plate that good hitters hammer, right? So that's why, you know, location is still a big element of pitching. You can have the best spin in the world, but your ball drops too much. You could have the worst spin in the world and the ball moves too much, but it doesn't play with inside the strike zone. You know what I mean? Yeah, but just like golf, how my club hits the ball is going to dictate where the ball goes. How the ball comes out of my hand is going to dictate how the ball goes. And I think of Luis Medina, right, but whose can... slider earlier this year was getting hammered. If you look at the numbers, his slider isn't anymore. You've changed something well, we, with how he throws it to change how it's locating, how it's getting across on play. Well, one one on Luis's slider is uh, it was a new pitch at the beginning of the year. So now he's developing feel of the pitch. We're always trying to develop the feel and executing the pitch. Uh, and, and I agree with, with the golf analogy, but, you know, if you slice, you play your slice too. Some guys just can't fix a slice. Well, if you play slice, you're going to yeah. play with guys like me. Exactly. <laughs> we're, we're hackers. But <laughs> You're I wanna, not going to be on tour. I want to get out there. <laughs> well, no. Right. But, you know, the best pitchers in the world, they execute the pitch that they can throw. They, they uh, instead of trying to make their pitches better, they make better pitches. They put it in the areas. They know how to pitch. They move it around. And in general, if you can locate your pitches, right, you can keep your pitch at the top third, you're going to, in general, have a good uh, vertical-induced break. If you can keep your slider to the bottom third and down and away to your glove side, you're going to get on top of it, create that tilt. If you back it up, you did something mechanically wrong. That's not a good pitch anyways, right? So, you know, no one's ever duplicated. I, I believe I, I heard it's the same four metrics. You've never had the same spin rate, the same height release, the same velocity, and the same uh, horizontal release on any pitch in the big leagues. Th- those four have never matched up. And back-to-back There's back always pitches. some – ever. 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 So I could just say, what, what would be the pitch if you were to do it 
what would the pitch be? Four, the four seam fastball. Because that's the straightest one we got. That's just, no one's ever thrown the exact same four seamer with, back to back with, with using four. four metrics. The same exact same four metrics. In what the Statcast era? Uh, I, I well, I guess that's what I yeah. the blog I probably read that Statcast, which would be 2015. Yeah, right. I mean, it, it, that's pretty about, incredible. I mean, think I'm, about it. You got to be exactly the same here. You got to be exactly the same height. The ball's got to come off your fingers right. The spin has to be the exact same. I, I mean, you watch one guy. That's he, not a small sample size. He'll throw twenty three hundred spin rate fastball, and the next one might be twenty three ninety five, or it might be twenty two eighteen. You know, they're relative close. They're close, but to repeat a pitch, is it's pretty darn near impossible how do we describe guys in the strike zone they're throwing strikes but they're getting hammered versus guys competing inside the strike zone and getting outs throwing inside the strike zone. well you, you got you know uh, we got a great metric that uh, pike goldschmidt uh, has brought into our organization I'll, I'll keep the name of it quiet but uh come that on, that that, uh, that gives us uh, uh the data points to uh let us understand how well this pitch plays in the strike zone and how well where it plays in the strike zone. And, um, you know, if you think about it, you know, a, a breaking ball can be thrown. One guy's on top. One guy's bailing his delivery out, right? Well, they're thrown the same but two different deliveries. What do hitters see? You know, if I'm going to throw a big haymaker at you and I fall off the mound here, right, throwing you a, a punch, you got a left hook right to my face. You saw it coming. So hitters see shapes, and they see different shapes. We can create the same spin from us being in the same slot, but my torso and everything, I hid the ball longer, I'm right here, or the guy that's bailing out. My arm probably got a little bit longer to get into this position, right? So now hitters see that. Oh, there's the ball, there's the ball, there's the ball. Well, these guys throw 98 miles an hour. Yeah, but he's falling off the mound. He's showing the baseball a little bit early. Now Deception. the hitters. That's well, another that's, thing. That's, that's, I was I, that, talking about when I was talking about extension. You start talking about things because we we focus now so much. He throws ninety eight. Yeah, he throws ninety eight, and he's got a five ERA. Yeah, it's velocity an easy is velocity isn't the number one thing. There's deception. There's other things that are more important than velocity. Well, it all it all yeah obviously it all you know uh, uh, bundles together. But you're falling off the mound. Your arms late. Your ball's tailing back into the strike zone. It's flat across the strike zone. There's so many different variables that go into. You're predictable. You know the first thing you do is you 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 look at the sheet and say okay this guy throws 70% fastballs and 30% breaking balls. That's all he does. The breaking ball is probably going to go down and away, and the fastball might be scattered all over the place, right? He's a two-pitch guy, and he's throwing a lot of heaters. I got to get on the heater. I got to be ready. So, you know, we're trying to be unpredictable like everybody else and, and not just sit there and throw all fastballs. You know, the thing is, you know, sometimes you have to throw the fastball because that's the best pitch you can command, and if you're behind in the count, sometimes you have to take your chances. Especially I look at when you have a lot of rookies, right? You're asking a rookie pitcher in front of a, you know, a big crowd or a crowd uh, you know, to throw a 3-1 breaking ball. That's not easy sometimes, right? And if they didn't do it in the minor leagues because they were able to get away with it, more fastballs in the minor leagues. And now all of a sudden in the big leagues, you're asking them, hey, man, you just can't throw fastballs all day and fastball counts. You know, that's something that, uh, you know, that's why some guys that throw 98, they get hammered because they're behind in the count all the time, and that's the only thing they can throw for a strike. And that's the, what the hitter knows because he's getting data just as much as you're getting data. The game within the game, I'm not, 
I'm not sure if there's data for this, but with velocity being at an all-time high, hitters got to guess at times because it's just you just it's just the human body can only react so fast to certain things. When you know you got a guess hitter up there, and you're a pitcher, how much does that change your philosophy when you know this guy's looking one thing? and one thing only. You've watched the video. You see, because guys' trends can change every five games, ten games. I mean. Yeah, well, let, let's go back to what I was just saying. 70% fastball guy. What's he throwing more likely? Fastball. He's throwing a fastball. Why? Because he can't command something else, right? So he has to throw more fastballs. So the guessing part's easy. 2-1, the guy's going to throw me a fastball. He can't throw a slider for a strike. So that's the pitching element that needs to be taught for big leaguers big leaguers can do that the best big leaguers in the game are unpredictable they can throw something other than a fastball for a strike right now you're looking at 66 percent strikes with the fastball 65 percent strikes with the changeup, and 63 percent strikes with your breaking ball in general that's league average that's telling me that most average big league pitchers can throw those any pitch at any time right that's a good pitcher that's a guy that's going to be sustainable big leaguer. Okay, the guy that throws, uh, you know, 58% strikes with his fastball, 57% strikes with his breaking ball, he's the guy that's got to learn to figure it out. And it's not that easy. You know, it, it, you know this game, the strike zone is, 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 is you know, the umpires do a, an unbelievable job of staying on the plate for the most part. You know, back in the day, the, the strike zone was bigger. And now, you know, they're held accountable. We got technology that makes them held accountable. They got to be perfect. They got to be on it. And it's not that easy to throw strikes. You know, everybody thinks it's real easy. I think uh, league average right now is we're inside the strike zone 49% of the time. And a lot of that is, yes, we are pitching a little bit more to swing and miss. Yes. You know, we've talked over the years on the show about how hard the bats are, in my opinion. <laughs> uh, we, we've talked about uh, uh, how hard the baseballs are. Yeah. These, guys getting bigger and, these guys getting bigger and stronger. They make contact with the ball. It's 100 miles an hour, and you're hoping 100 miles an hour stays in the ballpark nowadays. We have more sliders thrown than ever before. Do you like it? Well, I, I, you know, I always, uh, you know, I tease a lot of, uh, you know, our analysts sometimes when, you know, we talk about uh, throwing more sliders. And I agree in the situation that you can throw them, I would say, yes, we got to throw the slider. We got to make sure that we are throwing the sliders at the appropriate times. Um, yeah, if, it, if you got a good one. You know, if you got two plus pitches, you throw two you throw two pitches and maybe show a third. If you got three plus plus pitches, you get to throw three plus pitches. So, you know, slider's your number one weapon, but I also believe the more you throw your slider, then you're starting compromising counts, and the slider in the zone gets hammered, and the sliders out of the zone don't. So if you constantly throw it in the zone, in the zone, it starts to lose its effectiveness, right? Oh, to me, the hitters. And count leverage. So it's timing. It's timing. It's count leverage. It's all, I mean, like I said. Aaron, Aaron Boone would agree with the count leverage, by the way. And Aaron Boone, I don't know if you saw last night, and the yeah. counts that weren't going their way. But to me, the more you throw a certain pitch to these hitters, the more they see it. That's not good. Yeah, most definitely. That That's why the power of the fastball always shows up. One, because you can move the fastball to many different places around the strike zone. Yeah. So, you know, you just don't want to be, you know, the fastball in general is the hardest hit ball. Why? Because we fall behind in the count and we want breakers to be in the zone, out of zone. So now we got to center the fastball a little bit more behind in the count just to throw a strike. Well, 
you know, that's back to the hitter's advantage. You fall behind in the count, it becomes a hitter's advantage. You stay ahead in the count. Look, if you get the two strikes, the best, um, the best count to hit is 3-2, and that's uh, right around 200. If a pitcher gets the two strikes, what we like to preach, strike one, strike two, the hitter that counts under 200. If you fall behind in the count, you know where, the, where I'm going. The count jumps to 300. Now if I'm throwing a lazy slider in the zone because I have to throw a strike with it, you know, in my opinion, you could be in trouble. Not saying you are, but he gains more advantage hitting an 85-mile-an-hour ball in the strike zone that's moving. But when he's got to hit the slider thinking about maybe that fastball's coming, now all of a sudden he gets a slider. So I, I think, you know, that's the game. That's called pitching. Am I able to do that? Can I make pitches? Can I throw enough strikes where he's thinking I might throw a fastball, but I throw a slider? Or, hey, he, he, this guy's throwing slider. Boom. I execute a good fastball. So it, it plays hand in hand. Uh, you know, relievers are a lot different, too. Relievers are coming into the game, especially high leverage relievers. They're, they're going to pitch more to swing and miss. So, yeah, their breaking ball is going to be played a little bit more than the fastball because you got to pitch a little bit more to swing and miss because one swing of the bat in a leverage situation can hurt the, hurt you. And if you don't execute your fastball good enough, then you got to go to slider. All right, I know you got to go, so I want to end on this. J.P. Sears, lots of numbers in this game, but a 3-4-2 ERA. Opponents just hitting 214 in his last 15 starts. 15 starts. He's competed. I think no matter what, he's gotten better all year long. How proud are you of him, and how much have you liked his growth? Yeah, I, I really love what JP does. You know, he, he comes every day. One, he's a great student. He listens. He comes to the park every day with one thing in mind, that's get better. And uh, he understands his craft. You know, he understands the metrics. Uh, when we give him something, he understands it. He knows what his uh, limitations are. And he knows what he needs to do to get better. So he takes full responsibility of his career for me. Uh, gives good feedback in our meetings when we talk to him. And uh, I just, you know, I'm really proud of this guy who, who uh, you know, sometimes when you get traded, you know, there's some pressure on you because, you know, and you know, we traded two really good major league pitchers for him. And, and uh, he's a really good major league pitcher himself. And uh, it's just a lot of fun to watch him go out and pitch. Well, the job of a coach is to make his players better, to make his players better on the field, off the field. And obviously the record this year has been challenging, but all the players we talk to talk about how they're getting better. And that's a testament to the job you're doing. You should be very proud of yourself. we got a long way to go, but you've done a great year teaching. And this is why you got into the business, is to be a teacher. It's been, yeah. a, no matter what the numbers are, I believe it's been a good year for you. Well, it's, you know, one, you got to have, passion you know and we've in the in the coaching room in the front office we've we've uh, you know david force has always talked to us about process you know stick to the process and work you know i love to work i love to get on that field you know i, I love to i spend my time you know in baseball doing things and trying to learn and and give back to the guys and uh you know i try to t teach them every day something or or give a touch point somewhere whether it's a quick jab or a, a long conversation in our meetings but uh you know, we got a hard-working group of guys. That, that's the one thing that, you know, when you come to the ballpark and you feel like guys don't want to work, uh, that's one thing. But when you come to the park every day and you feel like, hey, these guys want to work, they want to listen, they want to learn, then it, then it makes everything more fun and challenging at the same time. But uh, process, process, process. You're absolutely gold on this show. We always appreciate your time.
in the offseason, you know we're going to be calling you. Thanks for having me. Let's, let's As you're slicing into the front. trees, we're going to have to strengthen your grip and get you to hit some draws. Yeah, probably. Well, well, I, you, you, you got to hit more golf balls in practice. I mean, that's the, you know, it's like our guys getting. Hey, you want to throw it better? Get on the mound more. You don't want to get on the mound more. You know, you, if I want to play better golf, I got to go one play golf, and two, I got to get on the range. And probably the range ain't happening because I'm getting out of bed about eight fifteen, and I'll tee it up about eight forty five. Cup of coffee and ready to rock. I mean, huh? I, I'm too young for coffee. <laughs> <laughs> the greatness. Scott Emerson, the pitching coach of your Oakland Athletics. We got more coming up next right here on A's Cast Live. This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. you got to go to their website right now, linksoul.com. The new polos are unbelievable. New colors, lighter weight. We got our new summer shipment, Cody. I couldn't be happier. I look better, all thanks to Link Soul. So we're talking about new polos. You can check out their shorts. Anything you need for summer, they have it right now. When you go to their website, they've got a smoking summer deal. Go to linksoul.com. That's linksoul.com. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Ladies and gentlemen, walking behind me, he will be here, the great David Feldman. (laughs) You better have Jose Canseco on that list. We will be talking about, no, not dub the vote. Remember that? (laughs) Well, shots fired at David Lee. Uh, that, that image you saw. I did. Day. I did a weekly show with David Lee, if you remember. That's great. That's the great Florida Gator. I did a weekly show with David Lee and had to talk about the excellence of David Lee. Um, he paved the he paved the way for Stephen Clay and Dre to win three. He was the four first titles. free agent to come here. Athletics.com/slash/vote. That's athletics.com/slash/vote. You have till September sixth to vote for next year's A's Hall of Fame. Here, I'll put up the uh, full-screen graphic. And you get to vote three guys. That's it, three guys. I'm not saying mine's perfect. My three, I've got Kenny Holtzman, who, by the way, I was like, uh, where's my phone? You realize Kenny Holtzman, in four years here, because, yes, there's guys that were here longer than Kenny Holtzman, but no one bigger when it comes to what he meant to the three World Series teams? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You know how many complete games Kenny Holtzman had in four years as an A? Well, none of them are going to be higher than what happened in 1980 when they had 92 as a team. I'll say 35. He had 54 complete games in four years. He had 77 wins with a 2.92 ERA in four years, and was so instrumental, game one starter over and over for the World Series, the three World Series teams. Uh, When you talk influential players in A's history, he gets overshadowed by Catfish, by Vida, but when you look at greatness for those four years, trading with Chicago, Rick Monday going to Chicago, you're foolish if you don't go and look at baseball reference, look what he did, in the ALCS, look who he did in the World Series. He's a big reason why the A's won three World Series championships, and he's not in your Hall of Fame? It's a joke. Folks, you may not have been alive. Do your research. I know you want to have the big three. Big three didn't do what he did. Didn't come close. 
you got three World Series championships because Kenny Holtzman was a big part of that, and it's not debatable. He won 77 games in four years. It's almost an average of 20 wins a year. Four years. 54 complete games. Do your work before you vote. That's all I'm saying. You got to put the right guys in. I got Kenny Holtzman. I got Terry Steinbach. Are you really going to have an umbrella? I don't know what we pay our interns for. Yeah, interns. Help out. Help some guys out. You're sitting on your computers doing what? What do you guys? We have two guys. Two, we Crack turn staff. It out. They're sitting there on their laptops doing what? R- researching Azusa Pacific track They're and field. They're doing nothing. Great Azusa Pacific athletes. Or if they're going to join the pack or not. Oh, sorry. The pack, so. Dude, you so wonder why they say this generation doesn't date. They don't go out. They don't. <laughs> they sit on their computers all day long. How are you going to get a date sitting on your computer? Well, that's how dating works now. It's all online. Doesn't seem to be working because all the studies show this generation is not dating. That's Am I wrong? I think I started with the with my group, the millennials. Yeah, like interaction with people is just gone. Well, with these, every single time I see these guys, they're they have their 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 phone here and their computer here. They are they, their devices are with them wherever they. I can't go anywhere without my devices. I will give them credit. They are helping me run the stream for StreamYard while I'm over here. I I get it, but I'm serious. Like, they've been here for hours, and every time they have their their laptops in their lap. They, they might be doing immaculate grid, but disguising it by looking at. StreamYard. Oh yeah, the immaculate <laughs> grid. If I have to hear any more about the immaculate grid, uh, who was a 300 hitter for the Royals and the? Oh my God. Royals and who? I don't know. I can't care <laughs> um, now you got me side. Oh, Ken Holtzman. Uh, number two, I'm putting uh, Terry Steinbach in. Terry Steinbach, 11 years, 758 OP, uh, 756 OPS in 11 years as an Oakland A. There are not many guys that played 12 years for the Oakland Athletics. There's only three guys that did that, that 11 or more. Now, I want to give Blue Moon some credit as Blue Moon played more than that. Now, obviously, that's Kansas City. That counts. Yeah. Because one of one of our buddies was texting me about Blue Moon. I'm like, yeah, I mean, he's a great. There's a ton of great candidates. This is tough. This is what makes it fun. So I've got Kenny Holtzman. I got Terry Steinbach. And I got Jose Canseco. Who would I say yesterday? Because I went for the sake of going somebody I did Holtzman. Or I did Blue Moon. I did uh, – I know I did Tejada. Because I picked one from each era, and I figured who I did from the 80s. You don't have to pick one from each era. You can do whoever you want. Oh, well, I, I, I think I said Blue I know Blue Moon and Tejada for sure. And then I did someone from the 80s because you did Jose, and I think I did Terry Steinbach. Well, I, it, it, part of it, too, for me is the age game. I know Miggy and the big three are, you know, they're young. Yeah. Certain guys, I, I know that I'd like to get Holtzman in because I don't think he's in the best of health. So, and Terry Steinbach, 61, he's in good health, but still like to get Terry in when he and his family can enjoy it. He deserves it. So there's that. And then you might just say, hey, I want the big three. I'm voting for the big three. I love the big three. I totally get it. Then we started thinking recently, and we'll talk to Dave Feldman about this. I know you all want Jack Cuss and Derek Barton in. <laughs> the Derek Barton and Jack Cuss era is coming. Where's Kevin Kuzminoff? If we're going that route, I want my man Adam Rosales in. You know how much I love Rosie. Rosie's one of my favorite A's of all time. 
I mean, Bobby Crosby's no, again. N- nobody was on the shuttle of gone back, gone back, gone than, than Adam Rosales. Yeah. Um, but really, start thinking of guys. I've already said Coco was a no-brainer. Coco was a great. Oh, are we finally going to reveal the. Coco was a great A, but he's on the list right now. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm thinking, of, can they even see us when that happens? It depends because the camera's on the. Uh, l- Stay right there, hold it. My God, we got a professional show here, and this is what we got. Do I need to go buy an umbrella that will work? It's the t- it's the table, the way the table's set up. You can't fully clamp it on there because the way this is set up, so the wind blows it. But anyway, so yeah, are we finally going to reveal the 2012 on? I'm just, I'm just going to say, guys, that I I would look at in the future. One, hopefully, will show up today will be Marcus Simeon. Uh, another, I think, for sure, that I will vote for someday will be another guy that a A's cast favorite, A's cast live favorite, Jed Lowry. Yeah. Jed Lowry, if you look at the different stints he was here, Jed Lowry was a terrific Oakland athletic, has the record for most doubles. Uh, he was an extra base hitting machine, played on playoff teams. I love Jed Lowry. And I don't know if this is surprising. I don't think it should be. I don't have any pitchers. Oh, all right. I don't have any. I'm like, I know somebody threw Sonny Gray at me. I've had Balfour thrown at me. I guess you could make a case for Doolittle. Uh, Doolittle's like, what, six years, I think? Six years? Five years? I think it was yeah, we're looking. Either six or seven. I could I could make a case for Doolittle based off what Doolittle did in the community, also. Um, but I really don't have. We're just talking. We're voting in all famers. I don't have any pitchers. I know Balfour's been brought up. I'm going uh, KD. Yeah, he was on mine. KD is an A that three straight years hit over 40 home runs. Hit 48 home runs, led Major League Baseball. And if you go back, and the only reason I know this is because I'm always in the notes and doing pre and everything, KD, a lot of KD's home runs either tied the game or continued the lead for the A's. KD didn't hit a lot of home runs that didn't mean anything. He hit home runs when they mattered. Chris Davis, the span that he had here with the A's, I know it ended awful, but at that point, we're it's going to get thin. Years from now, it's going to get thin because it's going to be tough because you just didn't have players. Just the way our front office works and the way the dynamics works, we, we don't have players that play here for a long time. It's going to get thin. Once you get a certain group of players through, you're you're gonna you're gonna it's going to get thin. And I can see KD, but I for sure would say I look at Simeon, I look at Jed Lowry for sure. Uh, I did for me. I did uh, Matt I saw, Olson too. By yeah. the way, that's still see Matt. It's, it's, it's even hard for me to think about. Matt Olson is so far away from retiring. Yeah. I mean, I, even Simeon is hard to even think about. Yeah. Because these guys haven't retired. Matt Olson is not even thirty yet. I don't think so. No. So Matt Olson probably is not going to retire for another eight to ten years. I mean, just start thinking about that. Eight to ten years? Ten years from now, we're in 2033, and Matt Olson still is not even on the ballot by then. Yeah. Uh, I went I went Simeon. I did KD, and I did one. I did go pitcher. Because we were talking about Doolittle yesterday. Uh, we were talking about Doolittle yesterday, so I went a different ace closer. 
Uh, Liam Hendricks. Hall of Famer. You're going to put him in the Hall of Fame with Dennis Eckersley and Raleigh Fingers? I mean, we're looking at what he does, does in the community. What he, I mean, one from the, the great story. I mean, I don't know. I mean, would you take his career or Doolittle's career as an A? Probably Doolittle's. Their numbers are pretty comparable. I think Liam actually had more saves. Here, who are you pulling up? Doolittle? I'll do. I'll I don't do know. Liam. I'm going to pull up Liam Hendricks. I already know Doolittle's got like 13 wins or something like that and X amount of saves, but let's see. As an A, five years, three ERA. How many saves did he have? Liam only had 40 saves as an A. Doolittle at 36. I told you I didn't have a pitcher. Yeah. I was looking because we we're – I think you're begging for it. I mean, he had 40 saves. He And all – the most saves Liam had for the A's was 25. He took over late as a closer. I love Liam Hendricks. I think he's one of the greatest humans I've ever met. I just don't know if I put him in the A's Hall of Fame. Yeah. Well, I just I went for the sake of not having the same guys as you, although I did do Simeon and Chris Davis. But then pitcher, I figured. Oh, oh it's a thin list. I mean, once we get past this group, I'm looking for longevity. Guys that want five or more years, and there's not very many. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be thin. I mean, because you're not going to do Cespedes. I mean, Coco's the one guy. I mean, wh- I mean, you could even say La- Jed Lowry's a stretch. You could even say Marcus Simeon is a stretch because Simeon had the one year of like 25 home runs, then hurt his wrist. Mm-hmm. Then he has the year where he's third in MVP. 19. But it wasn't all roses for Marcus Simeon no. here. As he led the league in airs, and there was a strike. I mean, so the one guy that I think we could all agree on, who if we're talking about from the, the era of around 2012 and beyond, and even Coco's a little before that, but I, I think everybody could say, if you're an A's fan, Coco should be in the A's Hall. Yeah, I think it was eight. Coco spent eight years as an athlete. Coco was a terrific athletic. A. And played on a bunch of playoff teams and was the one guy that wanted to be here. This wasn't a necessity. Coco liked playing here. And an era where Josh Willingham was like, yeah, I want to be here and I can't wait to get out. You know, Coco was the guy that he was Billy Bean, like Bean loved him. He wanted to be here. He liked being out of L.A. but being close to L.A., right, because that's where Coco's from. Coco's family liked getting on Southwest flights, popping up. He liked that he could get down there real quick. But he liked being here and being close to home. He didn't want to actually be at home, but he liked being close to home. This was a perfect fit for Coco. And I know how much our fan base loves him. I'm very interested to see what his fan, what the what the voting will be like. Because, you know, when Coco started doing some broadcasting for us, people loved it. Yeah. And I loved talking to him because Coco is a smart guy. Like, as smart, gets it, baseball, running, defense, hitting, switch hitting. Like, he brings a lot. And obviously coaching now, but I'm going to be very curious to see how he does in the vote because I, I, I know how the younger generation of A's fans, how they feel about Coco. Coco the vote? Playoff dub the vote? Coco the vote? I don't dub think he, the vote. I don't think he gets in in 2024, but he will no. be in. And I don't think Coco should get in now. No, yeah. He's young. I think we got to get in certain guys. I mean, if I had Dave Stewart here, you know what he would say. Bob Welch. Bob Welch. Bob Welch won 96 games for the A's. Yeah. 
won almost 100 games for the A's. How many win the 90 in the, what year was it? Eight, 27. 27, yeah. He won 27 games with a Cy Young Award winner. So he's a Cy Young Award winner. He's a World Series winner. Won 96 games for you. How's he not in your Hall of Fame? Bob Welch is a – We have a bench in after him in spring training. I mean, he's got over 200 wins. He's got a case for the Baseball Hall of Fame. Two-time World Series champion. Stu and I talked about this. Well, you had it. to throw your grinky trash at him. <laughs> but Bob Welch should be in the A's Hall of Fame. Now, unfortunately, he has passed, so you don't have necessarily like the uh, urgency. I think Dave Henderson's going to go in there too. You don't have the urgency. That's what I did. It was, it was Hindu I did. It was Hindu, uh, Tahada. You're all over the map. Yeah, that's because – What I, are your votes? It what was, you got? It was Hindu, Tahada, and um, Blue Moon. Okay. So what do we got – we're supposed to have. Co- we're hoping to have Cody Thomas after he's done hitting. And then, uh, we'll have, then we'll have Feldy. We then- have to get into Aaron Boone last night. For some reason, the fun parts of baseball, people have issues with. Seeing Aaron Boone rip into Laz Diaz, basically every Yankee fan is out there going, "Hell yes." We forget we are in the entertainment business. And Aaron Boone going out and drawing the line and screaming at Laz Diaz and imitating his strike three call, that's entertainment. Everybody's talking about it. It's awesome. And for some reason, we're like people are like, oh, my God, Aaron Boone thrown out again. He's been thrown out more than anybody in six years. Yeah, you know what? And Yankee fans love it. Now, Yankee fans might not be happy. I don't know if you were listening to the postgame show. I had the number for you, 201 games played for the Yankees. That counts for playoff games. Mm-hmm. Their last 201 games, their record, 101. I was listening to postgame when you said if I was Ooh. listening. Ooh. And, the, and, and hard to believe, well, not hard to believe, the worst team hitting with runners in scoring position this year is the Oakland Athletics. They're not far behind. The Yankees, how bad they are with, with was runners in scoring Third position. at 236, I think is what it is. And Laz Diaz last night, what was it, 60, 66%? 66% accuracy on called strikes. 66%? That's awful. So in a sport where we're trying to be more accurate with everything, it really is a, it really is a hard call when you start talking about when an umpire has a really bad night, what do you, I mean, can you blame Aaron Boone? I mean, that was horrible. Cody Thomas is putting his bat in the back rat. He is going to join us coming up here on A's Cast Live. A lot to get into, but we will get back to Laz Diaz. And is it good for baseball to be able to somehow figure out how we got to balls and strikes? We're trying to figure everything else out. I know the robo-umps, not everybody's a big favor. But welcome to A's Cast Live. This is our talk show that we do throughout the year. And you don't know this, but I've been championing you for a long time. I'm Chris Townsend. Nice to meet you. Cody Thomas. Nice to meet you. And I've talked a lot about you. And your story is very interesting to me. Mm -hmm. And I've been saying, I don't want to look at your age. I want to look at where you are in your baseball journey. And it seems like things are fine. Health is good. And things are finally starting to click for you. Yeah, I mean, I know I'm 28, turned 29 in October, but I feel young physically. I feel young mentally. Feel young as a baseball player still, yeah. like you were saying. 
Um, and yeah, this is, I feel like it's the first time in my career where I, I'm starting to truly feel like a baseball player. You know what I mean? For yeah. the first couple of years of my career, I feel like I was trying to get out a lot of, a lot of football player in me. Um, you know, <laughs> hammering the weight room, um, trying to tough out everything, just wasn't mentally into the fully into into baseball and I feel like I'm there now and um in a good spot and like I said yeah I feel I feel young I feel good yeah I've actually worked a couple Oklahoma games so I've been to Norman I know all about OU football and what I try to tell everybody well I've had Bob Stoops on my show before but it, it, it it when you go to Oklahoma it's one of the premier destinations in college football you obviously had a historic high school career you're one of the top recruits all the guys going to Oklahoma and it's very very tough to leave that world Mm -hmm. and when you get into the baseball world so what I try and tell people is we're getting this big athletic dynamic guy but as you just said you've been a football player and a baseball it's hard to do both but now finally the baseball player is here just talk about how tough that decision was to leave the football world. Yeah, I mean, up until I'd say a month and a half before the draft even happened, I was still planning on transferring somewhere and going to play football elsewhere. That was still, I would say, my goal in mind was uh, to play football um, at the Division One level. And it wasn't until I started getting in and playing every day um, and having success on the baseball field and started talking to some scouts and stuff. And at that point in my career in college, I hadn't seen much success in either football or baseball. Um, and that was my first kind of taste of it. And I'm going to be honest, in, in high school, I was kind of burnt out on baseball. I'd, I'd played it so much growing up every summer and all that. And, and I think the break from it was good for me. And um, when I started having some, some, some success, um, I just saw it as God's way of telling me this is where I should be. And um, I, I ran with it and didn't look back. So when you think about the light goes on, there, there's just there's there's a time in everybody's life and everybody's sport where, all right, I'm getting it. Yeah. When was that? And I think it might have been kind of recently. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, I was talking to my agent this year because coming up in the minors, I played a full season everywhere I went. Never had gotten a call up once until I got called up to the big leagues, and um, and it, it was that's where I should have been, you know. Um, but I, I called my agent. I was like. You know, this is the first time in my career, this is year eight for me, and I was like, this is the first time in my career where I feel like I'm ready to go on to another level, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, where I, I felt like, um, you know, I, I just I just felt ready. Um, in years past, you'd be, I'd be up and down, wasn't very consistent. This is the first year I feel like the consistency was there more so than ever. And, um, yeah, I just, just felt ready for another level. When you think about where you fit most in the outfield, we've seen a lot of you in right field. Mm-hmm. Where do you think you're best suited to play? Uh, I came up in the Dodgers organization, and I learned quickly, man. You better you better learn at all three positions. If <laughs> you play if you in field find, too. Yeah, if you want to find your name in the lineup, you'd be good at yeah. all three, and wherever they put you, you, you go give it your best. Where um, do you think you're best at? Uh, Scouts, self-scout yourself. Where yeah. are you the best at? I'll tell you my, my favorite is center. I really like center field. Um, I like the viewpoint of the game from there. I feel like you can really see how pitchers are attacking guys, and um, I like the viewpoint from center. Um, but like I said, I'm, I feel comfortable at all three, and, again, whatever gets me in the lineup. Well, we talk about Oakland being the land of opportunity. You come here, you're going to have an opportunity. How much have you felt that over time and feel it now that, you know what, I, I, I'm getting a legitimate shot here? Right. I mean, I feel like I felt that day one, honestly, just coming over here. Um, you know, they came up to me 
first thing in the cage, I'll never forget it. And they're just like, hey, we want you to just be an athlete, be you. And that was like the best thing they could have told me. And I knew right then that I was in the best spot. And um, I've always felt like the opportunity was, was great for me here. And um, I feel like I'm, I'm finally starting to get that. And we got about two months left, self-scout. What do you got to get better at? Um, I think it's it's the same deal that's um, been with me my whole career, just consistency. I feel like um, when I'm going good, it's great. Um, and it's just minimizing the windows of when it's not going so great. And I talked to my manager in AAA, Fran Reardon, about this a lot. Like, when, you, when you're not feeling great, you don't have to go up there and still try and uh, you don't have to go try and hit homers when you don't feel great. Take your one for threes. Take take your walks. Um, and when I was young um, and a lot more immature as a hitter, I feel like um, I'd still be going up there trying to um, swing out of my shoes and stuff like that when my swing wasn't there. And your swing's not going to be there at all times, and you have to have some self-awareness with that and say, okay, I'm not going to be trying to hit a double in the gap. It might not be my day to hit a double or a home yeah. run today. Like today to help the team. I'm going to be a one for three of the walk guy. And to be able to swallow that, and it took a lot of swallowing this, the ego and pride to um, have that self-awareness, but I feel like that's why I had the consistency this year because there were times where I didn't, didn't feel great at the plate, but I went in the game saying, all right, I don't feel great, but I can still have success. And whatever that looks like for that day, um, you take it and you end up on the other side of it, happy you did it because you have usually the results come. And um, I feel like that maturity, I mean, it took me eight years. Like I said, everyone, everyone's uh, journey's different. Um, but I feel like I'm in a good spot now to where I'm, I'm able to have that self-awareness. You're a great guy to ask because it's been a while since I worked doing college sports. I actually played baseball in college. That was a long time ago, right? So <laughs> yeah. you were just in it. Mm -hmm. Your school, Oklahoma, and Texas are going to the SEC. Correct. USC and UCLA – are going to the Big Ten, and now Washington and Oregon, and now a bunch of the other Pac-12 schools are going to the Big 12. The Pac-12 is going to disintegrate. Now we have rumors that Florida State is going to leave the ACC, which then Clemson will leave the ACC. And the ACC, you were just in this. Right. How insane is this as a guy who just played college football to know that longtime conferences are imploding? Right. Um, it's definitely going to be a different different look to the college football scene. I mean, and college sports in general. I mean, uh, for me, obviously, I'm not in it anymore. Yeah. So it doesn't completely impact me. For me, it's more so when I get to the offseason now, I have a reason to go check out these SEC schools and go watch some big-time football. Um, but, yeah, it's, it, a, lot, a lot has changed. It, it seems like right after I left, a lot has changed. You know, I've talked to some – Guys that are still in it, um, I have some buddies that I played with that are, that are coaching in college, and, and they'll tell me. I mean, it's it's just a different different world, different animal out there It's now. insane. It really is. It really is. Well, like I said, if there's been one guy been a cheerleader for you and you didn't even know it, it's this guy right here. I've been saying, I want to see him play. He's a quarterback. He's big. He's smart. He's athletic. I want to see what he can do, and, and I'm glad you're getting that opportunity. And yeah, I really we're going to want to have that. you on again. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks so much Thank for the you. time. We got more coming up next. We'll be talking A's Hall of Fame right here on A's Cast Live.
This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. You need to redo your wardrobe, especially for summer. They got new colors, new styles. Summer is here. The polos, unbelievable. The shorts, you name it, we got our new order. My wife is the happiest one out of all of us because I look better, thanks to Link Soul. And they've got unbelievable deals right now for the summer. So what are you waiting for? Shirts, polos, shorts, you name it. You go to LinkSoul.com. That's LinkSoul.com. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Well, we just had Cody Thomas on, and our next guest, you know him as an A's historian, a television extraordinaire, an official scorekeeper. Am I missing anything? Dashing. Dashing Bon Bon Vivant. Men adore him. Women want to be with him. Anything else? Pretty much. You know, and I'm um, also a lot faster than I look. Your 40 time? Unbelievably fast. You're like the Deion Sanders of television? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You wouldn't know it by looking at me, but yeah. We just had Cody Thomas on. Of course, you do a lot of work for the Pac-12 Network. You've been around college football for many, many years. And when you just – he just played. So when I brought up, you know, your school, Oklahoma – Texas, SEC. The news stories out. There's two news stories that are going on right now. Florida State is saying out of the ACC, which means Clemson, who's a powerhouse, they're going to have to make a decision, which could essentially defunct the ACC. We know the Pac-12 is in trouble. We've heard Sandy. Oh, we've heard San Diego State tried to do a power play. I don't know if you've heard about that one. San Diego State tried to do a power play with Mountain West and bringing in other schools, and the Mountain West said, settle down, San Diego State. I mean, the craziness going on in college sports, you live it. What do you say? I I mean, obviously with the Pac-12 situation, heartbroken. Heartbroken over how it went down. They were very close to doing a media rights deal with with Apple. Uh, It's been reported they were hours away. That would be a streaming thing. It would have been different for sure, but they were close to sticking together. And then, you know, Oregon takes a phone call in the middle of the meeting, and it was basically, well, it was the Big Ten, but it was also Big Ten being supported by the Fox Television Network saying, we will pay you this much to come join the Big Ten. Money driven to do this, right? And it's where is the student athlete in all this? They're nowhere. No. It has nothing to do with the athletes. You know, you mentioned Florida State, and they're, they're bitching about the ACC, but they are locked in. They are locked into their media rights. They cannot get out of that. That is almost impossible for them to deal with. So they can bitch all they want. They're kind of stuck. Um, but it's just, you know, when we were kids, uh, not even when we were kids, 10 years ago, really, you know, conferences in college football was about geography. It meant something, yes. You're a West Coast guy, Midwest guy, South guy, Southeast, even the Northeast, yeah, right? and that's how the conferences were formed. We then- were proud. I We – when we were growing up, before we even picked a school or whatever, we were proud. The Rose Bowl, whoever was in the Rose Bowl, you wanted him to kick the crap out of the team from the Big Ten. Of course, always. You always wanted that Pacific Ten team to do that, or Pac-8 if we would go way back. It's just, you know, as soon as the Big Ten changed around with Maryland, right, joining the Big Ten, Rutgers joining the Big Ten. Nebraska. It it's like, what, what's happening? And geography meant nothing. It's all money-driven. It's all football-driven. It's not for any of the other student-athletes at that school. And that's the saddest thing to me, especially for Pac-12, where I've done a lot of the Olympic sports. This is the highest caliber of Olympic sport athletes in the Pac-12. All the championships they win with swimming and softball, 
baseball, uh, soccer, gymnastics. Those kids are screwed now. The competition level just drops. Uh, even if you're at your UCLA, right, your UCLA softball, you're playing the best of the best, and now you're going to go play Maryland softball? Come on. I just, I just want to be said and noted for the show, Cody, mark the tape. I do not remember the Pac-6 or the Pac-8. It was always the Pac-10 to me. I just want to throw that out there. Not old enough to remember that. Um, when you mentioned about the Olympic sports, it means something because when they go to the Olympics, we're always so proud. This is going to hurt Olympic. I it mean, does. It, it, it will hurt not just the Olympic sports. It will hurt our Olympic teams. It will. It, the way the Olympics, you know, the teams are built, the feeding system, at the collegiate level, top-notch competition. And the Pac-12 as a country would have, you know, been, what, third or fourth in gold. Yeah. <laughs> as just <laughs> athletes in the Pac-12. Yeah. Um, it, the whole thing's just sad. And, and football and money-driven and with no regard for any other student-athlete. It's just – it's abysmal. And everybody here in the Bay Area, because of our two pack, we know San Jose State's in the Mountain West. So my school could see Oregon State, Washington State, maybe Cal. May, I, I don't know. Yeah, what, I don't know. What, what do you think what happens with Cal and Stanford? I, I really don't know. I, I think the four teams that are left, Washington State, Oregon State, Cal, and Stanford, are going to try and get other teams to join them because they are still considered a power conference. And that means if you win that conference, when the CFP, the college football playoff, expands, you're going to get an invitation to those playoffs. That's a golden ticket. That is huge money. And in a conference that can be built around those four teams, that's that's what the Pac-12 needs to do, what's left of the Pac-12, in my opinion. Will that happen? I'm not sure. There's already talk now about the other conferences trying to kind of pull the Pac-12's charter of being a Power 5 conference. Right? They're already trying to, to mess with that. Um, I, I can see Stanford going independent. They already have their uh, football contract with Notre Dame. They could do a deal with Cal, with USC, get three or four other power schools. There is a TV network that would, would deal with them in football to be independent. And then Stanford's Olympic sports maybe go to the WCC or somewhere else. You know, WCC is all private schools, so it fits. Um, I don't know what Cal does. Cal's in a terrible situation. Their debt on their football stadium is humongous. Uh, they need to play uh, Power 5 teams. They need to get a Power 5 TV contract to help pay down that debt. I don't know where that's coming from. And it's going to hurt recruiting. It's going to hurt recruiting so bad. So just wanted to kind of keep everybody updated what's going on because it seems to be changing by the week, by the day. New stuff comes out all the time. Uh, to let everybody know, we have no lives, so we sit there, and I was texting you the other night, and we're going ab about the Hall of Fame. Remember, athletics.com slash vote. You have till September 6th. I think it's fascinating. What we saw on Sunday, it means a lot to people. Yeah. Like when you see everybody on the green jackets, and there's Dave Stewart and Burt Campaneris and Keith Lippman and Steve Vucinich, and it, it sparks emotions, and it's Ricky Henderson, and it's Dennis Eckersley. This thing means a lot to us A's fans. And we were kicking it around. I know it means a lot to you. That's why we're talking a lot about it, because the vote is up on September 6th. You're our A's historian. You watched so many of these guys played. You studied their career. Uh, and we think, you know, we get very sensitive to how old guys are and where they are in their lives and everything. So there's a lot of ways you can vote. You can just say, hey, I was around for the big three. I'm voting for the big three. I get it. You can do any way you want. Yeah. Just get out and vote, athletics.com slash vote. Our ace historian, how do you see your three? So I have a couple holdovers from last year's ballot for me. So they're going to be in my top two. And one is Jose Canseco. 
I don't think there's any doubt Jose Canseco is one of the greatest Oakland athletics. Uh, from, from his rookie year in 86, winning the rookie of the year to the 40-40 in 88, uh, even in 89, he missed half the year and comes back. Homer's in his first game, helps lead the A's to the World Series. Did you know what a hamate bone was before Nobody that? Nobody did. Nobody had ever heard of a hamate <laughs> bone. And all of a sudden, Jose breaks in and loses three months. Uh, and then, besides being a great player, he was that superstar that was bigger than life, right? Who else is sneaking out of Madonna's apartment in New York and being covered on the back page of the of the New York tabloids? I mean, this Jose, Jose Canseco. Canseco. Do you remember the? Uh, I remember what year it was, but Jose Canseco at Wrigley Field, and it was the All Star Game. Home run derby was ninety. And the fans outside, they were hanging outside the building, outside of Wrigley Field. Jose hit it here. Hit it here. He was the star. Was. You know, you go back and you watch the 1988 ALCS at Fenway. Fans then were chanting steroids. I mean, and he was he was digging into it, right? He would flex and he'd be the thing. And he was Jose, bigger than life. Yeah. Right? Now he had his, his troubles, of course, with the A's and Tony La Russa. And once he got the big contract, he stopped caring about defense. He just wanted to hit home runs. Became a different type of player. Um, and Tony La Russa has always said that's his biggest disappointment is Jose Canseco, that he couldn't keep Jose on that baseball straight and narrow because of the talent that Jose had and what he was able to do on a baseball field. It was like none other. That speed and power combination, that charisma that he had, there was nobody like him. And to me, that's he's a no-doubt Oakland A's Hall of Famer. And the 40-40 that he did, because later on we'd see it, Bonds would do it in San Francisco on a last-place team. Yeah. Everybody did it on bad teams. He did it on a good team. He did it on That's a different story. Team. He did it on a team where he hit 300. And you go back again, watch the tape. He gets two strikes on him, he spreads out, goes into a two-strike approach. What's that? We don't even see that. This is the power-hitting Jose, two-strike approach, base hit to right field. This is how you hit 300. Because he knows if he's on first, I'm stealing second. I'm, it's a double. Anytime I'm on first, it's a double. And he had that sort of hubris about him, too, which was which was so cool. Uh, we just saw it, and if you're not watching it and you're a young baseball player or you know a young b- baseball player, have him watch Dodger games, watch Freddie Freeman, watch him choke up, watch the way he hits. Bonds choked up. Some of the great – listen to Pete Rose talk about hitting and choking, using a bigger bat and choking up. Choking up, folks, it works. It works. So my other uh, holdover – and I look back to the – a player actually bridged a lot of the, the the Billy Ball era to Tony La Russa, and that was the captain. That was Dwayne Murphy. Mm. And I think Dwayne Murphy kind of gets lost because he was in this era where he only had one playoff appearance, no World Series appearances. But Dwayne Murphy was the captain in center field of one of the greatest outfields in the history of the game, not just in A's history, the history of the game. Ricky in left, Murph in center, Tony Armisen right. Nobody could go get the ball like those three. Uh, and Murph was the best six-time gold glove winner. And Murph played it's a lot. He played shallow. He wanted to rob you of those little dinks and dunks because he knew he can get back on the ball. And Murph would go back. His hat would fly off. And he got the fro going. He was Murph. It was great. And, he, you know, for a long time he batted second beyond Ricky. And that was his job. He'd take a lot of pitches. He'd walk a bunch. Uh, he'd sacrifice a little bit more than you'd think. And then he became a power hitter once kind of establishing himself, hitting 27 bombs, hitting 33 bombs. And the captain – uh, I just I love Murph. I love watching him play. He was always a team guy. He always looked. He's one of those players who would go out and make a fantastic catch going back to the wall, and then he looked like he could never walk, like he'd just kind of stumble back into position, like he can't even move. How's he doing this? Next ball, be to the gap, and he'd race it down, no problem. It's Murph. It's cool. So cool.
two outfielders. Who's your third? So I kind of go with the eras, right? So we have Jose from the from the 80s and the Tony La Russa years. Again, Murphy from, from Billy Ball. And I'm going to kind of go up, and I'm thinking it's going to be Miguel Tejada. Miggy. I'm going to Hada. I'm looking at his numbers, and, and, you know, I was there for every one of his A's games as a career. I saw every one of them. Um, and the, one of those prospects that was talked about for a couple years, this guy's coming, he's coming. And when he got here, he made his mark right away. Dodger Stadium, hitting a triple off of Deo Nomo. Uh, and he just had that flair of playing and that power-hitting shortstop. And you talk about personality. I think everyone could feel how badly Miguel wanted to win. Just on the field, the way he played, the way he cared, he wanted to win. And I think he couldn't help but get behind him. This was the MVP in the 2002. This was a, a 2002 season that A-Rod put up fantastic numbers for the Rangers. It was Miggy who won the MVP that year for what he did with this A's team. And you look back and wins 18 and 19 of that streak and those big hits that he came up with, that's nothing new. Miguel was all about the big time. Uh, and then comes back in 2003, has a terrible first couple months. And you think, ah, oh, you look back, he has a fantastic year again. Uh, leads the A's to the AL West title. It's a tremendous player. You know, it was talked about along, you know, should the A's have offered him the contract or Eric Chavez. And yeah. Steve Shaw wrote about it in his book that he thought the offer that they would have made to Miguel would have been disrespectful. That's why they didn't even make an effort. He was Steve Shaw's mom's favorite player was Miguel Tejada. But he felt he didn't want to disrespect Miguel, and they had Bobby Crosby in the wings. They didn't have anybody coming up at third, and that's why they went with Chavez. But but Miggy, MVP, what he did, playing every day, uh, the personality, everything about him, I, I think he's an A's Hall of Famer. It, it, the fun thing about this list, it's not easy. There no. are so many people. We were talking about Bob Welch won 96 games for the A's. He won a Cy Young Award. He's a World Series champion. I've made my case for – Terry Steinbach, yep. I think Ken Holtzman. I mean, you talk about a huge part of the three World Series teams. Ken Holtzman, Ken Holtzman, four years won what? 77 games, 56 complete games. Started game one of every World Series. 72, I mean, Ken Holtzman, this is tough. Yeah, and I love Ken Holtzman in the years that we, he was here as a postseason performer, as a pitcher. Um, you know, the big three, and it's what I texted you the other night, I would love for the A's to just put Hudson, Mulder, and Zito in together. As one. As one. Yeah. The big three. Because that's how, that's how it should be. I think the Braves actually did that with Glavin, Smoltz, and Maddox. I think when they went into the Braves Hall of Fame, they went in as a triumphant. And I think the, the A's should do that as well. I think that would be that'd be an awesome day out it there. It, it helps the log jam. It, it helps the log jams. It clean, clears it out. You mentioned Terry Steinbach. I think Steinbach is going to get in this year. I really do. I think Jose and Terry Steinbach are probably going to be the top two. Um, and Steiny's more than worthy. Totally. Right? The catcher on those teams, you think about the great catchers in the Bay Area, and you, you got Buster Posey across the Bay, you got Ray Fossey here, you got Terry Steinbach here. You can only put one of the big three in. Who do you put in? Uh, for me, it's Hudson because he was the first and he was the one. I mean, he, he drove the ace of that 2000 AOS title. Mulder came up that year. He wasn't great, kept getting hurt, wasn't available for the playoffs, wasn't available for the playoffs in 2002. Uh, Zito, for all his greatness, and we love Zito, but there's something about Hudson. He, that bulldog mentality on the mound, he changed the, the culture with A's pitching. Today's pitching in the, in the late 90s was not good. It's a lot of Mark Aker and John Wasden and Don Wenger. 
Huddy came up here, and that was that was a difference maker. He was he was nails from the beginning. That's the guy you want in winning ball games for you. And we talk about Mulder being hurt. Yeah, Hudson pitched with injuries, and he went out there with injuries, trying to pitch through them because that's the bulldog in him. So I would go Hudson. And in the future, I, 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 you, you would agree. You think Coco needs to be in, right? Yeah, I thought I heard you saying before. Coco is one of those players who wanted to be here. Yeah, he kept signing to be here. Uh, and that says something, the loyalty. And then you look at his production as a center fielder. Yeah, his numbers fit right in there. Coco Chris is going to end up being an A's Hall of Famer because for, for his time here, his years here, and his production. After that, it, 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 I don't, after Coco, you start getting into, you know, after 2012, names are not on there yet. We don't have to deal with them yet, but I think it's going to be hard. It is. I, I think Mark Ellis is going to get there. I think Ellis is going to be kind of the first player from the, the early uh, 2010s to get in there. Mark Ellis was a rocket second base, tremendous defender, robbed of a gold glove a couple times out there by the voters. But I think Mark Ellis, you look at his war, you look at his games played, Mark Ellis is definitely an A's Hall of Famer. I brought up Jed Lowry. Two different stints. Three different stints. Three different stints. And, I mean, the guy was an extra, extra base hitting machine for the A's, holds the record for doubles in a season. Uh, did it for the Athletics at short. Did it for the Athletics at second. Played in playoff years. I, I could see Jed. There was something about couldn't stay healthy anywhere else. <laughs> right. There was one place. I don't know it's because he was a Stanford guy and this place just meant so much to him. But Jed not only could stay healthy here, but he was successful here. Yeah, and there's, you know, the 2018-2019 season is unbelievable, right, how well he played. Bob uh, Melvin writing him in third, hitting third hitting every third game. And just, just being clutch. Yeah, I can see Jed Lowry. I think when you look back, when we start looking at the ballot in, you know, seven, eight years, and he's on there, you're going to go, wow, this guy had a really good three different times, really good career here in Oakland. Yeah, I can't even bring up, like, we start bringing up Marcus Simeon. Marcus is not going to retire for years. Matt Olson won't retire. No. Where th- those are like 20, 30 something. <laughs> I mean, that's so far. But the one thing, it's good. Do you see any pitching? Do you see a Sonny Gray? Do you see a Sean Doolittle, a Liam Hendricks, a Grant Balfour? Uh, do, do you see any of those guys that may, in, in, in your estimation, be worthy? Not yet. You know, and we talk about as we get rid of this logjam, when you get rid of the Hudson Mulder Zito and Bob Welch, who definitely deserves to be there, and Ken Holtzman, those guys need to go in first before any we see anybody else yeah. takes that mantle. Um, guys weren't here long enough or pitched well enough. I mean, Brett Anderson, right? He pitched no, here. No, know, no, no. Trevor Cahill. No, Geo, no. You know, Sean Manaya. No. You know, I just, it's just these guys just don't have that longevity and that, that track record. Tommy Malone. Tommy Malone. Jared Parker. Yeah, let's bring him out. Dan Heron. Where's Dan Heron? AJ he was an Griffin. all-star starter. Um, yeah, Rich Harden. Who am I missing? Travis Blackley. <laughs> you know, one of the biggest games. <laughs> Dallas Braden. Dallas Braden had a great day. You know the other thing that Mike Selleck brought up, Ace PR man, Mike Selleck, and I thought this was a brilliant idea. Besides just putting players and stuff into the Hall of Fame, what about putting the song Celebration in the Hall of Fame? Put Cool in the Gang out cool there? Cool in the Gang. Celebration. What says A's baseball and winning A's baseball more than Celebration? Over 40 years of this song playing after almost every A's win. I think that's a cool idea. And then you remember back when we were kids – that they used to have concerts after the game, sure. like the Beach Boys would play or what. Have Cool in the Gang 
do the ceremony, and then after the game, have them perform have and them do perform. a concert. I think it would just be fantastic. I think it's such a cool idea because it really does. We, you know, we put in PA announcers like Roy Steele. Uh, Bill King needs to go in to the Hall of Fame. And I think it's part of A's baseball. I think celebration has, like you said, 40 years after almost every A's win, it's been a part of A's baseball. That's a cool thing to put in the Hall of Fame. That is a great idea. And have them perform. Oh. That would be killer. That would be this place. And would teach be these the kids who are really cool in the gang who they really are. Exactly. Why when we were growing up, they were huge. They were huge. And it was one of the great, you know, when the Haas family bought the team uh, going into the 81 season, they knew they couldn't control wins and losses on the field. Right? That's something you can't control. Uh, yeah, there's been a lot of talk about the Haas family. People need to go. When the Haas family, about the first six years of the Haas family, wasn't great. Yeah, I mean, you can't. You know, aside from Billy Ball, right? Aside from Billy Ball, so they knew you couldn't control that, but you can control how the fans, how their day went, right? How much fun it was, how much entertainment was available to them. Sound system here. The A's were one of the first teams to play pop music during the game. Get rid of the organ, and bringing celebration in as part of that, as part of that celebration after every A's win. You can control the time that the fans had at the ballpark. And the Haas family were, were very good with that. Andy Dolich at the time, part of the marketing department. So when you came to an A's game, win or lose, you were going to have a great time. Great stuff. Yeah, baby. We'll keep updated on our, our college football. <laughs> yeah, hopefully we get some good news at some point. It starts soon. Coming up next, the great, and he's standing right there, Eno Saris, right here on A's Cast Live. This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. you got to go to their website right now, linksoul.com. The new polos are unbelievable. New colors, lighter weight. We got our new summer shipment, Cody. I couldn't be happier. I look better, all thanks to Link Soul. So we're talking about new polos. You can check out their shorts. Anything you need for summer, they have it right now. When you go to their website, they've got a smoking summer deal. Go to linksoul.com. That's linksoul.com. A's Cast Live continues from Ricky Henderson Field. Here's Chris Townsend. Will you play the man his open, please? The Eno Saris Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com. You know, I don't think... A's fans realize that other baseball teams watch this show. And we had multiple <laughs> Astros personnel go, we love when you bring Eno Saris on. CJ awesome. Nikowski of the Rangers here were like, oh, yeah, I saw your interview with Giambi. Yeah. Other teams watch A's cast live. Uh, Max Scherzer, I, I, to me, always a big deal. I don't know how many times I'll ever see him again pitch live. I know, I, and you know I hate when he's a future Hall of Famer. I, that gets thrown around way too much. This guy, that's real. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I also enjoy watching him. He's such a, like, a, a, a bulldog. Like, doesn't that, is that the sort of describe him? He's, like, he's very, very competitive. He's got different colored eyes. I, I mean, mean this guy. He's really intense. It's like a threat. You know, you know he remind. it's like he could have been a linebacker yeah, back in the yeah, day. Dude. Just his eyes are going. And oh, my <laughs> God. I mean, he's been mad at me before. And, uh, really? Yeah. Oh, 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 boy, did I feel it. I, I saw him once staring at me from across the field and uh, had to go over and get chewed out a little bit. For what? <laughs> Just uh, just different reporting and stuff. It's fine. It's no big deal. Was he a spider attack guy? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> a little sticky icky. 
But you know, I mean, he's he's gotten busted, you know, for stuff. And you what's know, on me? What? I'm like, what? 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 What do you mean? You know, that was just recently. Yeah, but th- it was so weird that he got busted this year because his spin rates have been very very stable this year. Right? I think that's been more about a feeling out process post post you know spider attack of like his you know. slider, his bread and butter was getting hammered this year. Almost a 300 clip. He's gotten that back now. Yeah, he's, I think he's figured that out. I think, you know, there's also this thing going on league-wide that we've talked about, that the hit batters are hitting sliders better yeah. than ever. And one thing that I think that, uh, that teams need to do in response to that um, is, you know, I talked to Clark Schmidt about this recently where you don't, like, you're not, as a right-hander, you're not supposed to throw sinkers to lefties. You know, it's just you don't do that anymore. It used to be used to be a thing you did with Leo Mazzoni. You'd throw that sinker to the outside corner, and that's strike one. Ground ball, you know? ground ball, ground right. ball. Right, but now hitters uh, have trained. They train for that for a long time. Now you're not supposed to throw a sinker to a uh, to a lefty. But let's say that otherwise your fastball curveball. Let's say your fastball curveball sinker slider, right? And you're facing a lefty, and the, the your pitching coach says, "Well, don't throw the sinker to the to the lefty, and don't throw the slider to the lefty." What do I you know? throw? Then I'm just fastball curveball to the lefty then then he's like then he's like oh he has one pitch that goes like this one pitch that goes like this i can just decide to keyhole them yeah i can be like i'll just hit anything that's over here straight i'm just waiting for straight exactly that's it how can you tell someone not to throw something down away to a left-handed hitter who traditionally and still to this day everybody's trying to that's still a ground ball yeah, and I I mean, I think for a while the lefties were figuring out how to slug it. They developed these sort of, you know, launch angle, quote-unquote, swings where they could lift the So what am I going to throw them? I can't throw them in. Can't throw them down and in. That's happy zone. Exactly. Down, yeah, don't want down and That's in. That's Disneyland down there for them. But uh, I think, I think like, the, the, the new thing to do is the old thing to do, which is – no, throw that sinker. Maybe throw it in a place where you, if you miss, it's not happy zone, right? Like yeah. maybe a little bit outside, or or maybe throw a high sinker. You know, that's like something they don't expect. But uh, in in a place where if you miss, you don't miss middle middle, right? Be careful with it, but throw it because if it's not in their scouting report or it's not the number one thing in their scouting report, then they're gonna probably take, right? If you if you prepared for fastball curveball and you see sinker, you just eh, spit on it, you know. All right, third base, stealing third base. You have new data. Yeah, uh, it's the weirdest thing. So we know that uh, the team that 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 everyone's more successful stealing bases this year. Yes. Yeah, the new rules. That's obvious. I sure hope. But they are stealing third base at an eighty-five percent clip. And they say if you're over eighty-two, it's like <laughs> shooting dead fish in a barrel. I mean, 85%. I would take off every time, you know? If you said 85%, we're going to Tahoe and we're going to play some cards. I know. What, what I'm winning 85% of the time. I'll be rich. And then on top of that, um, you know, what I, I so I looked into this. And um, on top of that, uh, so think about when you're at second base. Why is a pickoff harder at second base? It is. Let me just, I'll tell you that it's harder at second base. So, at it's second base, at second, yeah, I mean, you, as a pitcher, you know, yeah, right as away. a pitcher, you have a moving infielder and <laughs> yeah. a moving. There's, you're, it's like a quarterback. You got to hit the guy while and, he's moving. And even the throw, right? Like yeah. if you think about it. So I wrote this piece you're tomorrow spinning about as a the, the inside you're move. You're either doing the inside move, and the inside move is called the inside move because the runner is looking right at your. your if you're yeah. a right-hander, they're looking right at your insides, and whatever you do to throw to the plate, they're looking at all of it. 
So if you do anything weird or anything off, they will go right back to the base. Hardly ever works. Hardly ever works. You practice it. It doesn't. It you know you never we never inside move is like never works. What it is is you 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 do your regular thing and then you step off the rubber towards the second base and then you're hoping well, to catch them. And think them. about it too. When you do that, and by the time I do this and I come around, I'm in an awkward position. Uh-huh. I'm in a better. So sometimes position. they do the wheel. When I do the spin move, the, I'm turning and I'm throwing a bullet. But yeah. then again. I'm spinning, and I'm trying to hit a moving. It's not easy. So, at second base, you've got two pickoffs for every error thrown into second base, thrown into the outfield. That's not good. That's not good. So, all the, so they're, at, they're already stealing at an 85% clip, and you're throwing one out of every three throws, like, basically into the outfield? Like, you should be taking off. And so, uh, congrats to the A's. Uh, they are third uh, in taking uh, third base uh, in in the big leagues. It, I think it, it's probably all Ruiz, but <laughs> but it doesn't matter. It, I mean, they yeah, because <laughs> we're hitting 220 with runners <laughs> in scoring position. So. Well, you get them to third, and so but the Grady's the, on third. He ain't coming <laughs> in. <laughs> the, the old school was the the old, the reason that for a long time people didn't take off for third is that the old school and the new school agreed. The old school said, never make the first out at third, right? First and third. Right. Out at third. Man. Yeah. And then the new school said, well, we already have a guy in scoring position. Why are you risking anything to get him into better scoring position? Like, he's already in scoring position. Let him be. Let him stay in scoring position. But he's really, really in scoring position. And what you're saying is, I can take that almost 90%. And the odds, too, now these catchers, they're throwing it in the left field. Right. And so, now he is scoring. Yeah. So, and then uh, I would say that the that the new rules allowed for people to sort of um, reconsider the math. And, re- and I think even for the old schoolers to say, hmm, I don't want you to make the first out at third, but strikeouts are through the roof, wild pitches are through the roof, yeah, maybe we'll just take third base because a wild pitch gets you in. And if I if I'm say you're in scoring position at second base, well, strikeouts not getting you home. <laughs> but I, a wild pitch could get you home. So I, I can't give you data on this. I can just give you the eye test of what I'm saying. Uh-huh. Infielders are just not as good. <laughs> I just like look at last night. Kirby Snead going to first. I mean, get wait, pitchers can't field their position. Uh-huh. We've got guys that are playing. <laughs> I mean, how many guys in the big league, even in the big leagues, are playing in positions they're just there because of their bat? Oh, that's actually related to something else that I was th- that I've heard recently in terms of player development, which is you're so hyper focused on the bat, and you have this idea that we'll find his position when the time is right. We need to know how much of a bat he has. That you actually are getting people that get to the big leagues with less time spent developing their glove and less worry about it. You know, it's like, well, we just want hitters and we'll figure out where to put them on the field. And then sometimes they get to the big leagues and you're like, oh, crap, we, we actually haven't really prepared him to be a third baseman or, you know. My analogy is Al Davis and the old Raiders and wide receivers. All he cared about is how fast you were. 
Oh, boy. He wanted 40 times. So even if you were like a great DB, a great athlete, a track star. Couldn't with hands, no We'll hands. teach you to catch. And all of a sudden, <laughs> they get him to training camp. Guy doesn't know how to route, run a route, doesn't know how to read defenses, and he's worthless. Uh-huh. I think we see a lot of that. Yeah, I could see that, yeah. And then there's, I guess I don't know how this factors in, but a lot of teams are talking about we want you to play multiple positions in the minor leagues. I mean, that's almost um, – it's almost a mandate in San Francisco in the minor leagues. You have to play multiple positions. They had Joey Bart playing multiple positions, even though the only one that he would ever make the big leagues as is catcher. You know, like they they, they do this on purpose, and that does make you have a more um, resilient team to injury at the big league level, right? You bring a guy up, and he can play second, he can play third. You know, if someone gets hurt, he can play somewhere else. What it does, though, is cut down the amount of reps you get in any one position. Correct, and then you're not as good. Yeah. Speaking of the Giants, I, 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 I still have a hard time with this. It was over in San Francisco. It was in the third inning. Kapler comes out to make a move because he's going wants to go lefty on lefty in the third inning. <laughs> Two outs. Was this one of their bullpen games? Yes, and he makes the move to get for Tony on Tony Kemp, uh. who, by the way, is not going to the ball at the ballpark. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're you're making a move, and I'm like, dude, your 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 bullpen's burnt. You don't yeah. have starters. Like, if you have somebody who's actually getting outs, let that guy keep going. Yeah. So he comes out in the third inning because he's matching up in the third inning, and Tony Kemp got a base hit anyway. And I'm like, <laughs> what are you doing? Do you like that style where I'm like playing chess every single inning, and it goes against my whole theory of. How are you going to get 4,374 outs? You don't have yeah. enough pitchers. I, and you're matching up in the third inning on a guy that doesn't have power. Listen, like every out is precious. Like every – like I, I also get it, you know. Like they're trying to win every single out. I know what you're saying. Like you got a lot of outs to get. You, know? you got 4,374 <laughs> outs you got to get, not counting extra innings. And you're going to play every out like it's a game of chess. Good luck. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, bullpen's not their problem, man. But do you think it works? I will say this. They, when you look at them on paper, they're not good. They weren't good the year they won 107 wins, the most wins in franchise history. And they didn't win the playoffs. Uh, To me, the playoffs can be a crapshoot. Thank you, Billy Bean. <laughs> Thank you, Billy Bean. But 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 here's the thing: we have the playoffs, we so you still have to win, win the playoffs. <laughs> and the old Giants didn't view them as a crapshoot. They viewed the old Giants mm. viewed we just got to get in and then we can win because we're built. The Giants in 10, 12, and 14 will tell you we were built for the postseason, so it wasn't a crapshoot. How were they built so differently? I don't know. That's how they felt. So what would you? So how do you want your team going in? You want your team, no matter what the sport, do you want? We're built for the regular season. We're rolling the dice in the postseason. Do you want a team feeling, hey, we get there, we're built to win a championship? I mean, I, a lot the, of this game's the mental. The way you're putting that, of course. I want a lot of the game's mental, right? I do want to win in the postseason. I'm not built to win the NBA title. I'm just built to play 82 Ooh, games. Ooh, Joel Embiid? No, I see – <laughs> this is a this is a thing. Shots fired on your six. <laughs> wow, that's that, that, now you're taking now you're making it personal. No, this is gonna this is gonna piss you off though. I saw, Moses Malone's not walking through that door. But I saw an analysis of what he is with days off and how and how he just 
he's so great with load management. He's yes. so great during yeah. the season with days off. And then in the playoffs, like, when he's playing more minutes and stuff, it just goes like this. <laughs> I saw one for Jimmy Butler where, like, they load managed him and he was up here. Mm. And then that he was so great at the beginning of those playoffs and it just went down like this. So, like. Quickly, you got a thing on velocity? No. You, something you with had. The fastballs. Thir- fastballs. Yeah, that's, that's what I was talking about earlier. You got to throw two fastballs. You oh, four two seamer, fast. two seamer. Yeah, yeah, you got to, you got to, you got to, you got to be able to do this. You got to be able to do something that doesn't seem optimal at the time, but sets you up and it's outside of the scouting report. It's outside of what they they want to tell you. They want to make you a two pitch pitcher. You can never be a two pitch pitcher. Yeah, you know, you know, it's so interesting watching this game night after night after night. As so many hitters are guessing. Yeah. And I, and, I, and I if I can make it a 50-50 guess, then like that's good. I feel good about that. But if you start making it, you know, 30-30-30 or for, you know, 25-25-25, then I don't feel as good guessing, you know. I don't blame hitters. I mean, when when you're seeing 98, it's tough to get your eyes, your brain to tell your body to swing. So sometimes I got to guess heater or something off speed. I understand for a hitter. And I think I think guessing makes people think that they guess and if they're wrong that like it's it's They'll swing even if it's not. Guessing a lot of times is anticipating a certain pitch and then like being like confirming it. Being like, oh, I think it's going to be a fastball here. It is a fastball. Boom, right? Or I think it's going to be a fastball here. Oh, no, I'm going to check. How much – I don't know if you've checked into this, but how – I got a break. How much time we got? It's 5.45. Can so I ask one question? we got to yeah. hurry. Then we'll have to book it. Maybe one of the most important things right now in pitching – isn't necessarily what the miles per hour say, but the extension that a pitcher can get on the ball. Oh, that, that you agree with the Tampa Bay Rays then. They lead the league right? in extension. There's this thing, this extension thing, and when I listen to it, I go, huh, that's interesting. Yeah, no, that's that's something that the Rays love. And then I think it also, uh, extension means something for your breaking balls. Like guys who are comfortable releasing out here can release different kinds of breaking balls. And so they're not good at change-ups necessarily, but maybe splitters. But, like, there's a whole type of pitcher than the, the Rays love that pitcher. if you think of every single sport, right, when you're hitting a hockey puck, right, you want to maximize the contact and getting it your stick. And it's the same thing in golf. You don't want to hit a golf ball and go alligator arms. You want extension. Every sport talks about extension. So why wouldn't it be the same in pitching? Yeah, and then you got the added benefit of just if it's if it's two feet closer to you, it feels you know five miles an hour. And so harder. maybe it's not necessarily what the actual gun says speed wise. Yeah. Deception, extension, extension also means it's going to get on the hitter faster, right? Yeah, exactly. That's they're going to perceive it faster. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's definitely a thing. Some some teams are more into it than others. Then again, the uh, Tampa Bay Rays lead the world in pitchers hurt. And another one got hurt today. Another Mc, not, McClanahan. Well, yeah. He's, is he going to for sure Tommy John? It looks John? like, I don't know, it looks like he's out for the year. I, when I said he's going to see Elitraj, I was like, just have the surgery done. If, I mean, if you need three That's, opinions, just McClanahan, go get it McClanahan, Rasmussen, Springs, all down. Do you, is, do you think there's something to that? They acquire injured pitchers. McClanahan had, had Tommy John in, in college. Uh, Drew Rasmus had two Tommy Johns in college. That's how they get them. They get them on the cheap because they they were injured before. See, he's got all the answers. I could talk to you all day. <laughs> all right. Steal now third, folks. <laughs> Steal third. I mean, hopefully you can hit it more than 220 with runners in scoring <laughs> position. Steal third. Play is out.
The Eno Saris Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com. Scott Emerson, David Feldman, Eno Saris, and Oakland A's outfielder Cody Thomas joined us all today. Thank you for watching. We'll be back when? Friday? Friday at 1 o'clock. Friday at 1 o'clock, A's Cast Live. Coming up next, A's Total Access, brought to you by Chevron. This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. you got to go to their website right now, linksoul.com. The new polos are unbelievable. New colors, lighter weight. We got our new summer shipment, Cody. I couldn't be happier. I look better, all thanks to Link Soul. So we're talking about new polos. You can check out their shorts. Anything you need for summer, they have it right now. When you go to their website, they've got a smoking summer deal. Go to linksoul.com. That's linksoul.com. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.